Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And we are ending off the year by getting our rock and roll on today with a great comeback story, a feel-good story about a heavy metal band that kind of slipped through the cracks. Uh, I did a documentary on this band. The band is called Siren. They're from Brandon, Florida. They got started in the early 80s. Uh, they broke up a few years later due to chicanery, uh, as usually happens between some bands. Uh, but through some incredible twists of fate, they got an offer to play a huge festival in Germany 30 years later where they had a huge fan base that they did not know about. And they found themselves on stage uh, playing at the Keep It True Festival, like I said, 30 years later. Uh, dreams never die. It's an incredible story. And we captured it all for the new documentary. I'm too old for this shit. A heavy metal fairy tale. Uh, I produced it. And Nathan Mowry, who directed... The Judas video, Burn Me Out, Nowhere to Run, Painless, uh, directed this documentary as well. I produced it, like I said. I sent Nathan to Germany with Siren to capture all the footage from their trip to play the Keep It True Festival in 2018. Because like I said, either uh, when I heard about this, I thought it's either going to be a complete disaster or it's going to be one of the best feel-good stories you could ever see. And it was one of the best feel-good stories you can see. And the documentary is finally done. I'm too old for this shit. And you can pre-order it now on iTunes. And if you wait from January 1st to the 3rd, it's going to be uh, on sale for $6.99 on iTunes. You're not going to want to miss this documentary. Eli Roth said it's one of the best documentaries he's seen in a long time. Charlie Benanti loved it. Uh, Mike Portnoy loved it. So check out this documentary. Pre-order it now. It actually is released on January 5th. And like I said, uh, it's $12.99 currently if you wait until January 1st. For the second and the third, it will be $6.99, and you get a chance to see this uh, amazing piece of filmmaking. I'm very proud of it. My first documentary that I've produced. So to give you a little background of it and to kind of uh, get you psyched up for the documentary, I got a good friend, Ed Aborn, the drummer of Siren, and he actually appeared on our Halloween uh, episode, giving his favorite Halloween movies. Uh, singer Doug Lee and guitar player Todd Grubbs are here to share the amazing story about dreams coming true unexpectedly and to talk about the making of the documentary, Siren's Newfound Future as well. A little inspiration for the new year, ending it off on a good note. Lord knows we need it. And a reminder to never give up on your dreams because things can always, always happen to you in a good way. So Siren on Talk is Jericho, starting now. So after uh, many years, I guess now, of editing and filming and uh, deal-making, we finally have the release of I'm Too Old for This Shit, the heavy metal fairy tale of Siren. And we're here with uh, with Ed Aborn and Todd Grubbs and Doug Lee, who are all from Siren, and they're all going to be big-time movie stars now that the documentary is out. Um, right. How does it feel to actually have it up and, and ready and, and, and there for people to watch? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, like, like you mentioned, it's been a couple years since we had this amazing experience to come back together. And uh, it's it's phenomenal that it's real now. It's actually going to be a thing that people can see and check out. I mean, we lived it, but now people can live it with us. It's exciting because it's probably one of the bigger things that I've ever been involved in. I think it's going to be pretty big. I think I'm going to be a big star real soon. <laughs> <laughs> Finally got your chance. Right. I think it's absolutely the biggest thing we've ever been involved in. Yeah. And it is exciting. It's cool to me because, I mean, just to kind of tell the backstory, I've known Ed for better part of 20 years if not a little bit longer and we've recorded songs at your place recorded fozzy vocals at your house uh like i said watched movies been to concerts and i knew that you were in a band but 
we were all in bands when we were kids. Right. You know, my my band was Scimitar. You're, you know, you see the siren picture up on the wall, and I never realized kind of the full story behind it. And that's why when this thing started coming to fruition, I couldn't believe it at first. Because I was like, what? Like, your band actually has some steam? So talk a little bit about what, uh, how Siren started back in the day before we get into this whole fantastic story, which which I, as soon as I heard it, decided needed to be on, on celluloid, shall we say. Sure. Um, so, so, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, we all had our bands back in the day, and um, mine and Doug's was Siren. And we started in 1981, I believe, is when it, it first kicked up and did the usual band thing, warehouses, how, you know, houses, rehearsal spaces. But let me just interject, yeah. too. This is in Brandon, Florida, right. which at one point in time was kind of, as Nasty Ronnie says in the movie, the heavy metal capital of the world. I wouldn't go that far, but like it, there was a lot of bands that came out of that scene in Brandon to the point where I grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Mm -hmm. True. And one of the towns close to Winnipeg is called Brandon. So I was like, oh, Brandon, Manitoba, Brandon, Florida. So I knew <laughs> Nasty Savage. I knew about Obituary and Dark Angel right. and, you know, all the bands that came from that area. So it was a really big scene at the time. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a really exciting time in general for metal because everything was young. We had lots of bands coming in. It was great to go to an old record store and discover bands. And, you know, we had the dream. We had the dream to try to be one of those bands, you know, that we that we liked. So we went down the typical path of uh, rehearsing, mostly playing covers, lots of lots of covers from our influences, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, except, you know, the, all those guys. And then started to dabble in originals. And our first single, Metro Mercenary, we did in uh, 1984. That was our demo. And we decided to, you know, go the big time way. And rather than doing a cassette, which was the norm of the time, we said, we're going to do vinyl. Even though, you know, we've got no label, we're just us, we're going to put out a single. So we put out a two-song single. How did you do that, putting it on vinyl? I don't know. We just wanted to go big. We wanted to do something that, that nobody else was doing. And everybody else had the cassette. So we thought we'd go with the vinyl and... But it's easy to put it on a cassette. Of say, did you take it to a, a record plant or something? Yeah, or? actually, we had to send it out and get it pressed, and then they sent back the the lead acetate, you know, oh, which was cool. on a full size disc, which was exciting. It was, it was amazing to see. Just, sure. to see that. Yeah, even to this day, just to actually see yeah. something on vinyl is so much more like real than a, it's, it's streaming on iTunes or right. you know oh, yeah. to, to hold that vinyl in your hand. It always has some some weight to it. Yeah, because this was our first time in the studio, and we went into you know an eight track studio. Yes, that's eight. Full tracks to capture our, the magnificence you gotta, you of You got to split sound. it like the Beatles did to get to 64. <laughs> exactly. Right. So we, we recorded the songs and, you know, in this little little studio, GDM Studios. And then I remember it was just really exciting uh, a couple months later when those records came back from the plant. And we sat in your living room, Doug, and assembled them. We, you know, had to paper inserts that we did with like plastic sleeves and wrapped, you know, folded. Oh, really? Paper. You had to actually put the record into oh, yeah. the paper thing yeah yeah we did that and sat in his living room and like you said chris it was that feeling of holding an actual record you know that was you that was the you know because until that time it wasn't like today where you can record something yourself and the world can hear it tomorrow mm -hmm. it's 
it was something that was just like your heroes. It was you're on the same playing field now. It's like I've got a record just like my Iron Maiden record. Well, but the thing is too, like you mentioned the heroes, and you mentioned in the documentary about how back in those days fanzines and sending tapes right. out and stuff, and that's that's how Lars got Metallica around we were, back in the day. And we you were, were at the magazines the, with them, yeah, the exact yeah. same time frame. Yeah. I mean, you're talking 1981, 82. Yeah. They could have seen Siren next to who the f- is Metallica. Yeah. You know what does that mean, right? <laughs> No, absolutely, because because that yeah, I remember we definitely still, the same time frame. Yeah, we have the fanzines with us, with those bands, you know, in them. Yeah. That made us feel even better. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that's the thing, because and you're exactly right. That was what we did once we had the the single. Then Doug and I said, "All right, now," and props again to Nasty Ronnie of Nasty Savage. Got to give him because he they were kind of like. Always a couple steps ahead. They were yeah, they were on Metal Blade Records. Right. Like I said, you could get their record in Winnipeg. And this is before this is before they were signed. So oh, gotcha. This was '84, but again, they were on that that next level. But Ronnie was never the kind to be selfish with this stuff. It wasn't like I got this list of fanzines and my contacts. I'm not going to share them. He literally gave me his handwritten list, a handwritten copy of all his fanzine contacts. Yeah, he was very cool. He did the same thing for me. Did he? Yeah, yeah with, with mm-hmm. Tom Copra. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was your band called? I'm Atomic Opera. Atomic Opera. Yeah. So you were in another band in the yeah. same scene. Yeah, though. I think exactly. we played gigs with Siren back then. Yeah, yeah. there was at least one. Yeah. yeah. Gotta love that Atomic Opera, oh, yeah. Siren, Scimitar. <laughs> yeah. How, how oh, rock and roll are we, right? Yeah. And so we took that list, and uh, once we had the record put out, you know, together a little bio sheet, and literally just started flinging the packages through the mail. Everything was old school. You couldn't just, you know, email something over. So you're going to the post office and sending it to all across the state. You send it to overseas. Overseas. Absolutely. Germany. Everywhere. South it, America. So if you had like you know Schwarzkopf records in Hamburg, Germany, you'd send them yeah. a, a copy. And the, and the fanzines, like because that gotcha. was we really there wasn't even we really didn't approach many labels because it was kind of like oh, the fanzines. It was the fanzines yeah, was, and just trying yeah. to get them. And what was amazing, and and even though holding the record was a thrill, that was the first big thrill. I think it was equaled, if not passed, by getting an actual magazine like Ardshock, you mm-hmm. know, over there in in I think Denmark back and there's your picture you know that we've yeah, taken some that, and loved yeah. some well, then it was the underground radio stations too that were That's playing right. us and we we're getting on their playlist up yep. there with the you know and like you said anthrax mm-hmm. and metallica the, yep. all the big bands all the early days of metal right, right. and there was yeah. siren it's like wow and out of new york monty connor right he had a radio yep. show yeah that was monty a connor's radio yeah. show wasn't yeah, it played on that monty was, ended yeah. up being the the president of roadrunner yeah. records yeah. for many years yeah. yeah yeah amazing yeah matter of fact i reconnected with him not too long ago just you know through the internet and mm-hmm. he's like dude I, of course i remember you guys and he sent me some playlists from back in the day and it shows there's siren like i said there's metallica it's like man you know just it was crazy so you're sending this stuff around are you getting some buzz going yeah. on are people responding you mentioned obviously you're getting the, the, the airplay and you're in the fanzines but are people writing you letters back type thing or absolutely there was lots of them yeah from all around the world all around the world yeah, and, it was, and that was the thing that was also amazing. I remember, Doug, in at your place, you had a big world map on the Put wall. Put the little pins with the flags in it everywhere <laughs> where we got some response. Or what sold, were some of the countries something? that, like, you know, they got some responses from? We were all, all the way into Saudi Arabia and uh, Russia. I mean, I mean yeah. that was like the first. It's getting around. When Russia lots of Germany, up. lots of uh, England was was strong. I say never, never Antarctica, but I think Greenland and Iceland. <laughs> 
Yeah, and the states because fanzines were this thing, a big thing in the states too. You, you were doing everything right. That's exactly yeah. how you built. We're built the scene. Half a dozen countries down in South America too. Yeah. We're on the uh, several radio shows in Brazil, and it was it was amazing to hear somebody talking in a foreign language and say the name of right. your band, and then hear them play it on the radio. It was like whoa. Yeah, mm-hmm. because we'd get a cassette back, you know, oh, a month proof, yeah. a month later, two months later, that was the the interview. You know, with us, and you could hear it's like, oh, Siren, Metro Mercenary. And then you'd hear us saying, hey, this is Siren from Brandon, Florida, and, you know, playing the song. And it Trying was, to sound super heavy. Oh, we're Siren from Brandon, Florida. <laughs> I remember some of the radio things we did like that where we'd send back dances because, like, I listened to them now. I was like, what was that? This is Eddie Bourne. I was like, what the- <laughs> I was like who am I? Why is I? Why? I got everyone's heavy back then. Yeah, Laura's it. always had a good one of, like, you, you'd try and look as tough as you could, and you always said the holding the, the ham sandwich picture where you would do this. <laughs> <laughs> Have your hands apart. Like, you got a big ham sandwich in your hand. Yeah. So got some good steam, got some good buzz, and then kind of where did where did things start going bad for you? Um, well, they didn't go bad yet. We were actually still, the train was still rolling because we did that first demo. And then I guess it was by after six months, seven months in that demo, when we started getting that feedback, we were like, all right, we've got more music that, that we want to put out. So we did another demo, which was the Iron Coffins demo. That was a four song cassette. Now we did go with the cassette because it was just like, let's get this thing get this thing out so it's a lot easier and yeah. and quicker right same studio same you know 15 dollar an hour eight track studio and did four songs one of which uh was the song over the rainbow which became a fan favorite somehow it's, it's kind of the culmination of the movie is over the rainbow yeah yeah over the years very unique song uh that guitarist rob phillips had done by integrating Guitar hammer-ons, like as people might be familiar with, with you know, the late Eddie And in three-four time too, which is kind of unusual, yeah. right? What I love about it too is Doug's very uh, theatrical, and for this song, I'm assuming right. it's about Wizard of Oz. He wears the witch's hat. He's got the broom in his hand, and it's yeah. like, I like that shit. It's the very Bruce Dickinson for no apparent reason. I'm just gonna grab a broom for this one song, <laughs> and then the next song, I'm gonna you know put some uh, some uh, uh, plastic wrap down on the floor, <laughs> like you did at Jericho Fest. Like, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna dump a, <laughs> oh, no. is he gonna dump a pail of blood all over my stage? <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I, I wanted to. I, wanted to I was just afraid somebody was going to slip and fall. Yeah, I was on that later that night. And it was going to be on my head. So I'm going to tone it down a little bit. But So basically, we kept going with, with Iron Coffin, same thing. Doing the fanzines, doing that. As is the case in, in bands in general, the inevitable lineup changes, you know, mm-hmm. occurred. You know, for us... It wasn't like Spinal Tap had the revolving door drummers for us. It was bass players. Join the club. Yeah. Welcome to Fozzie. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so after, um, you know, Iron Coffins also was received very, very well, especially in Germany. It really, really started to pick up steam. Oddly and, enough. Yeah, because the song Iron Coffins, Rob Phillips was a, a huge uh, history buff, mm. especially when it comes to World War II and Germany. He's kind of, I guess, of German descent. And so he said to me he's like you know hey can you write some lyrics about the subs in world war ii they oh, used to call them iron coffins. coffins there you go so i wrote the song is just about you know submarines in world war ii and set went out everything was good lots of good response but after i think six months of that rob ended up leaving and ed house the bass player so we almost did a full lineup like a hockey line change on the band mm. um that's what happens though when you start with yeah. the, you know 
guys, Jimmy quit, Jody got married, never <laughs> thought we'd get that far type thing. And, yeah. and it's hard to find guys that are want to do it like for real. And, you know, even though we were young and didn't have a lot of responsibilities, we still had to make you know, live, mm-hmm. you know. So a lot of times it was like, OK, well, I, I got to work. I can't play. You know, I, I had left the band myself uh, for a time because I was in my senior in high school. It's like, dudes, I can't play in a bottle club till three in the morning and then go to school at seven. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, but after, you know, coming back. So bottom line, lineup changes. And we got uh, a couple new guys in the band uh Facts and cots. Yeah, yeah but what, tell, let's get to the point oh. of, of how things break up here. Oh, okay. Well, this is so anyway. We had the Dead of Night demo, mm. which was our third demo, strongest demo, I think, of material wise. We had really hit a good, good stride, and we just weren't going anywhere. It didn't seem like you know we were we were going anywhere. Uh, nothing was going on. So that's when uh, you know I had was in school at the time in college, and uh, Faxon wanted to leave for California. So I'm like, all right, well, and we ended up just splitting, you know, the band because like nothing was going on. But in there, in between Iron Coffins and that split was the Dead of Night demo, right? Right. Which also yeah. slid so, so, in so there. So finally, you know, like you said, things happen. Guys go their separate ways, and then yeah. Doug continues on for a little bit longer with Siren. But you basically right. are, are, are finished. What I'm trying to get at is, as we're talking about this documentary, yeah. is you basically at this point, you know, never play drums again you say it right. and you, when, when, when siren broke down for you you couldn't do it any longer doug continues on same thing happens and then that's it yep. until like i yeah. said then you know in that time frame <laughs> you're blessed with meeting chris jericho to have no idea about any of this stuff which right. makes me feel like a terrible friend but you never really told <laughs> talked about it a lot well, that's because it wasn't the thing it was right. like it was like you know maybe in passing sometime we had talked about you know you and i talked about yeah, I was in a band back in the day like you were. And it's like, okay. And at that point in time, especially you know, in these ensuing 20 years, 25 years, Siren wasn't a thing. It was just something I did back when I was 20 years yeah. old. Until and what happened to change that? Until 2015, late, late 2015, I started getting Facebook messages uh, from people. And it was, it was very strange how it happened. Just randomly, over the course of about a month, at least five or six people messaged me on Facebook because I'm the only Ed Aborn on Facebook, so mm-hmm. it's easy to find. They're like, hey, are you Ed Aborn, the drummer from the band Siren? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was me. And I'm like, oh, it's cool. Listen, I've been a fan for 30 years, and you know, I would love to you know, find out more about the band. Do you have any old stuff? Do you have anything that's still available? And uh, with this many people reaching out over the course of, uh, like I said, such a small period of time, I'm like, you know what? I'm an IT nerd now. That's what I do for a living. I can type fast. I'm just going to write down my entire history. Well, what was it that that kind of you mentioned? You got a bunch of emails, all yeah. kind of 2015. Were you not getting any in 2010 no. or no, 2000? No, no, no. So just was it just a twist of fate where this all came and happened at once? At once, Unex- unexplicably, inexplicably, it was just in literally. I think in the month of December of 2015, and it was different countries. Guy from South America, guy from Germany, guy from Russia unbeknownst to each other with no mm. other things they just said hey is this you i hadn't done anything posted anything that's so strange it. yeah like all just, at the same time if it was a random one or two yeah, but then i'd answer them but since they did it at the same time i'm like i'm just going to write down my memory of the band for my just for fun so i did it over the course of a couple of days and end up being like 30 pages mm. by the time I, I finished i'm like okay and during that time too i was having fun so i was reaching out to people who were in the band back in the day like uh, our comments from different Al people Dunn, right, right. right and other people and yeah you know, i wrote it out and everything but the only person i couldn't reach was you 
Doug. Was Doug. Yeah, it was Doug. Yeah, I couldn't find you. And I was hiding. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Doug maintains a very low profile social media-wise. And so, I mean, I tried old email addresses. I tried old phone numbers that I had, but just couldn't couldn't find them. So anyway, finished this up, put a bunch of pictures into it, into this document, which ended up being this book, you know, this accidental book. And uh, it turns out when I said, okay, to my friends, here you go. This is my early memories of Siren. Here's the book where you can check it out. You'll probably see yourself in there. And a mutual friend of Doug and I said, hey, I'm still in contact with Doug. And you want me to send this to him? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So he did. And Doug, you know, eventually got it and read it and reached out to me, texted me. And we met up at a Chick-fil-A, I remember, and, and had lunch. And, and it's the first time in like 30 oh, odd years with, yeah, with yeah. some animosity between you kind of thing. Yeah, because yeah, there was some stuff, as you sure. said, in the movie that went down as question bands. marks. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> you even say that the band ended as a question mark in 1984 or 5. Right. So 30, 30 years later, you guys meet at the Chick-fil-A and reestablish your friendship, which is the most important thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and you know. So were you upset with Ed, Doug? Not really. Not really. No. Been a lot of years. Yeah. I didn't necessarily agree with everything he wrote in the little siren book, but you know, I mean, everybody's right. looks at it from through, you can see their his eyes. point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. It's all just. It wasn't you know, like we were yeah. arch enemies during no. all that time. Maybe that makes for a better story, but you know, <laughs> yeah. we just didn't. You know, I know I saw you at a couple concerts in passing, yeah. but that yeah, was about it. Years. Right. But it had been at least fifteen Obviously, years. Obviously, like the same bands, and it'd right. be hard to avoid you forever. <laughs> Not that I was trying to, but right. Yeah. So, so, so you guys kind of reestablished your relationship, right? And then, what's and then it got crazy, right? And this is where yeah. I was like, "Come on, yeah, right, no way." So, so once Doug and I started talking, one of the fans that had reached out from Germany is a, a man named uh, Frank Hernshaw. Frank Headbanger. That's Frank Headbanger, and he is the ultimate siren fan. I mean, he made his own siren back patch for his vest back in the eighties. Uh, got everything he could. He was just a huge, huge fan and nice guy. He reached out to me, and like I said, it was one of those emails. So we had become, you know, email friends. And I said, hey, man, check this out. You know, I know, you know I sent you the, the book, but Doug and I are actually talking again. We're, you know, kind of, it's we're, we're cool. It's, it's cool. And he's like, oh, that's so good. He goes, I'm going to reach out because I'm going to talk to Oliver from uh, Keep It True. I've asked him for years to have Siren. And Keep It True is a big festival over there. There's, right. there, there's many festivals in Germany, but this is a, a, a very uh, respected one. one. Yeah. And they know? specialize in bands that have either have not been together in a while or just hard to get together, mm-hmm. you know, because the fans, but the fans have want them. And I said, well, cool, but, you know, that's, that's fine. You can reach out to them, but I don't know what's going to go on. We don't have a band. So he did. And strange enough, then we heard from Oliver Weinsheimer from Keep It True. Who was like, hey, I hear you and Doug are talking. Would you like to play Keep It True? I'm like, what? <laughs> like, so this is a quick thing. It's funny because there's a, there's a great line in the movie where uh, Frank Headbanger goes, if, if I could see Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden or Doc, I would choose Doc. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, who the fuck is Doc? Oh, it's Doug. <laughs> but I, how did that make you feel? Like, because once again, and I'm not saying this in, 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 a, in a bad way, but you guys had this dream and then you go become, you know, quote unquote, normal people with normal jobs and normal yeah, lives. When you hear something like that, Doug, of somebody who says that they think you're better than Bruce Dickinson and are so pledged to your band, does that blow your mind of hearing it this? Did. I took off from work early, and oddly enough, I was working the Iron Maiden concert. So I, I came and met Frank on my break because he did want to see me instead of Bruce Dickinson. Wow. Yeah, that just totally blew my mind. He had flown yeah. over. He was over in Florida. Gotcha. You know, and 
and he's like, oh, can I meet Doug? I'm like, well, Doug's working the Iron Maiden concert tonight. <laughs> and that happens to you too, Ed, quite a bit throughout the documentary where you'll meet fans. There's a couple fans on there who just yeah. freak out. Siren is fucking forever or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you're one of the most humble guys in the world. He, he gets kind of nervous when people come and ask me for an autograph. Oh, yeah. Ed has <laughs> this little laugh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's when they're talking to me. So how is that for you being such a, a humble? You're one of those rare guys. We say this in the movie. That no one has anything bad to say about, maybe at certain points in time, but everyone loves Ed. How's that for you when people come up to you and, and, and say, like, we love your band and you're so great or whatever they were saying? Well, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's cool. You know, just, it's, you don't know how to handle it other than saying thank you, you know, so much. And and our experience being over in Germany, as I'm sure we'll talk about, was just mind-blowing because you know, here we have people who were teenagers back when we were teenagers or, or in their 20s coming up and saying, I've been a fan of your music. I would listen to it over and over. And it's like, man, that is so crazy to think that here we are in Brandon, Florida, and we you know, made this the record, and there are people with us on their record players just enjoying it over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like Frank, Frank was one of, those, one of those people and just played that pivotal role in bringing us to the attention of the festival right and, and the thing is this it's, it's cool is, is like you said you get the get the gig and once again there's there's a great story of how guys are coming to the band but you call todd who who's been involved with you for years yeah uh todd's even he's one of the christmas helves and, and yeah, father right. christmas yeah, you and, and yeah both you guys so you put together this band and and like i said we don't have to get into the minutiae but, yeah. but you got hal in there who's been there for a while yeah. and you got hal greg original. who just becomes like the he was original the, the, the standout <laughs> character yeah. in the movie yeah as as we'll see so you guys start practicing and jamming and getting ready for this um and here's where i wanted to kind of start my involvement in this so ed says exactly what he just told me you're not gonna believe this and and i'm like i i didn't believe it right i'm like come on like this doesn't happen like you don't you don't like not play for 30 years and then suddenly find out that you have a fan base in germany who is putting you on this big festival and you're not opening the bill like it's it's right. uh, you see it, it it's it's flotsam and jetsam it's yeah. raven it's grim reaper it's siren there's four or five bands underneath you so you guys have a fan base so i was like that's impossible so either one of two things are well, you asked me well listen saying? you said dude listen i don't mean to be rude <laughs> but is anyone going to care yeah <laughs> and i said that's the same thing i asked the promoter i said <laughs> i asked all of them. and then my other point was okay this is going to go one of two ways one it's going to be a complete shit show it's going to be a total bomb and that's something that i want to see <laughs> or it's going to go great and it's going to be the greatest feel-good story ever yeah. and that's something i want to see yeah. so i want to i want to film this i want to put together a film crew and document this because we had just started working with Nathan Mowry who did the Judas video and yeah. all burn me out and nowhere to run and all those ones. So I said, what do you think about this? And Nathan was super into it. So let's talk about how you guys were approached. Okay, a, you put the band back together. B, you get a festival. Actually, you reverse Lars. You got, a, you got a, a place on a record before you had a band in Metallica. You guys got a place on a festival without having a band. So you put together the band, you get a festival, and now you want it. Someone wants to be, be uh, document this as a documentarian. Is that was that a lot for all of you guys to 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 you know swallow at the same time? It was for me at first, but just the fact that Ed was involved and Ed came over and talked to me and he says, "Look, man, I think we can do this." And if it had been anybody else, I'd have been, "Man, that just smells like a disaster." Right. But I knew me and Ed. If he was in, I was in. 
So. Yeah, and Doug and I, when we were putting the band together, that's, you know, we first reached out to uh, a couple of the original guitarists because with Keep It True, they really want to keep things as original as possible. Keep it true, yeah. Right, and so we did that. And Rob wasn't available. Our guitarist Faxon was in California. He wasn't going to work. So I said, so uh, the first thing was, let's get Hal. Hal Dunn, original founding guitarist. And then I said, listen, Doug, if we're going to do this, I don't want to step on stage unless I know we have someone so rock solid as a guitar player that we know will be comfortable. A ringer, yeah. Yeah, and that's why Todd, who had been in bands with Hal, Tom McCarpa, Hal was in Tom McCarpa. And I could have been in Siren back in the day, yeah, but you guys I, just never asked me back then. We had standards. And also you <laughs> never stopped playing your, your oh, guitar right. teacher. With different different weight routes right. like that Y yeah. in the road. But we're so, so how was that for you, for you Doug? Because like Ed said earlier, you're kind of uh, under the ground, under the radar. Now you're going to be you know exposed to the world, so to speak, with these cameras in your face and playing a festival at the same time. And you're the lead singer, which... Yeah. I am as well, so there's a different different set of rules that we have to live by when you're doing these things. I don't know. There's a lot of other circumstances going on building up to that, that building up to that that's made me – I was excited. I was ready to come out and be out there. Mm. You know, there's a lot – it just seemed like everything was falling into place perfectly. Yeah. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy decision to make. We had at least three calls when it was even – I don't know if we're going to do this. Do the festival, do the documentary? Do the festival. Festival. Gotcha. This was the even – to even start because it was – there was, you know, like you said – it, it'd be a great story if the wheels came off, but we'd be the one in the car. With yeah, the and I didn't, I off, didn't so. want that. But I was like, I was like, I've been in a band for twenty years. It just doesn't work that way. Right. <laughs> but it, but this time it did work that way. You yeah. know, yeah. and it seems too, Doug, Doug. You're very kind of a. I don't know if it's spiritual, but there's a, a great scene in the movie where you said you, hmm. you came out of your garage and there were some birds there squawking at you, and you said that can't be anything but a, but a good sign. Why Why did that seem like a good sign to you with the birds? I don't know. It just seemed odd. They were just coming all around me. They were up in my inside my garage, and they were all over the ground. And uh, I don't know. This was the it day looked like they were just show. looking at me, trying to tell me like something. like a good omen. Yeah, it did seem like a good omen. So then we, we then you guys put together a, a warm up show at the Brass Mug where you and I saw Savage and Oblivion. Yeah, we saw Saxon there last year, which is great. But it was Nasty Savage Oblivion, which is kind of a Tampa reunion for this scene. Yes. And that's your literally your first gig uh, together in 30-odd yes. years. Yep. So tell us about that night. It was incredible. And well, and you'll see in the documentary, people traveled from – what was the guy from? Chile. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah or, or like – Holland. Holland yeah. to come see the show because Nasty Savage and Siren and Oblivion were coming back together, you know. And playing that was just a just mind. About, somebody flew from Holland yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. to Brandon yep. to watch you guys play. And it's funny, too, because when we were putting together the documentary, Nathan at first had uh, had the guy say, yeah, I came all this way from Holland. And, and then later on, he speaks Dutch. I'm like, reverse it. Have him speaking Dutch first. Like, well, who the f*** is this guy? <laughs> what is he doing here? Exactly. You know? And that was one thing that was cool for me because Nathan kind of put it together. But then I kind of really put together the edits of some of these really great moments. Like, there's a great line where it's like, Dead of Night is kind of the music that plays that ties everything together. Right. It's kind of always the uh, the, the, the the bumper. The traveling song. And there's a great point where, where you guys are walking down this old street in Germany. It's, Tough heavy metal leather, London leather boys, dead of night, stops, ring, ring, ring. Yeah. <laughs> ring, 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 guys on yeah. his little bicycle trying to get the yeah. guy out of the way. 
Yeah. But th- there's a lot of those type of edits, which was really added to the humor because there's a lot of humor sure. oh, in this too. Because yeah. it's another thing that I was thinking, okay, great, you guys obviously, and you guys really are a great band. You got great material, and like the one guy says, there, there's there's so many bands that sound like Iron Maiden, but no one sounds like Siren. <laughs> I sound like Pat Patterson there. <laughs> but but to to kind of have like the humor, another thing that I thought is almost mm. a fish out of water type thing where you got a bunch of guys oh, we in their fifties yep. now going through the airports and great scene, Todd of you and Hal trying to figure out Instagram no, and still working on that. Snapchat, <laughs> you know, and, and, and what's a filter. And I have no yeah, idea. Like, it's just great comedy because now, yes, you guys are musicians and yes, you have the band, but now you got to go travel through the airport, which is something that you hadn't done. You right. said you hadn't been no, on a plane since nine 11. That's right. That's right. But it was a lot of fun. We enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're definitely right. It was definitely fish out of water because traveling internationally, traveling to a show it's like what this what's going to be what kind of gear how do we get our gear you right know, that kind who's of going to get us around right. there's a scene where you can't seem to find uh you know the 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 shuttle to take you to the to the to the, <laughs> right. to the gig the but but then there's there's like we said he, he's not here because of course greg is, is uh, uh still at home yeah uh social distancing which seems perfect for him yes <laughs> he would not have come out because the one of the underlying oh. themes of the movie like I said, this guy that just pops out of nowhere is 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 where's Greg? Yeah, because Greg disappears a lot. Yes, he does. Uh, and seems like just the sweetest guy, very yeah. excited to be invited back in the band. But another guy that's probably not quite used to traveling because there's a great scene right at the beginning in the Tampa airport. And he disappears to go look at a clock. Yeah, I would legitimately, <laughs> I legitimately almost lost him before we got on the first flight. Yeah. I mean, Never he walked up while yeah. the flight was boarding. You know, and we were all at the airport already. I was like, where the f- did he go? <laughs> and and because his wife told me says please do not do lose, not lose him you know, Greg in you know Germany, keep please. an eye on him <laughs> and yeah and you'll see in the movie i mean but i won't lose him in germany but i might lose him in tampa <laughs> you're right exactly and yeah and and greg is greg is the sweetest guy he really you know after seeing i mean I, we knew this you know but he's just wears his heart on his sleeve he's mm. just a very what you see he's is a great what character get. for the for the movie he is, really and that, is but that's who he is and you know you can see his emotions in the movie when like, when especially you know, at the festival when it comes real for him and what it means for him in his life, you know, it just, it chokes him up. It's just, mm-hmm. it's amazing. And yeah, he, he, he uh, all of you guys, I mean, jumping around and all this sort of stuff, there's a, there's a great scene right at the end. And, and once again, when, when, when we'll talk about all this, when you guys do play the gig and it does come true, there is literally, yeah. I don't know, 5,000 people there and they're chanting siren and they're yeah. singing, you know, over the rainbow and yeah. uh, you know, all of your songs and the end happens and you guys turn around and do your typical, you know, crowd bow, get the crowd behind you shot. And there's this look in, in your eyes where you guys are now, I'd say 15 year old kids. It goes right. even beyond 18. Like, right. like just seeing like you guys are smiling and Hal's got this look on his face. Like I don't know what Hal does for a living, but he just seems another guy's like, I can't believe it. Yeah. Like, I just can't believe it. And you take this great picture that ends up on Todd's gram. I love it. On so the gram. we still got a chance. Yeah. <laughs> but that, and that's the point of this movie. Like, that's the, the, the we're trying to think, okay, what's it called? Because uh, I said, I, it has to be called I'm Too Old for This Shit. Because I said to Nathan, before you guys even filmed anything, right. I said, at some point, somebody is going to say, I'm too old for this shit. And you say it twice, Doug. <laughs> yeah. Un, un, oh, yeah. Un, yeah. Unprompted. Prompted. Yeah. And to see kind of the heavy metal fairy tale some dreams never die and at the end of that night it happened and whether it was just for one weekend and we know that it's not it happened yeah. and that to me is like it's it's a lot like 
like the Anvil movie, uh, it's completely different. But but the end of Anvil when they go to on stage in Japan, those are those people. Like it's it's mm. a great moment. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if you are a musician or a pharmacist or a you know a, a, a dog trainer or whatever. You're gonna feel something from this movie, which is why it, I'm so glad that we made it because it really really does have this great storybook ending. Yeah, no, I agree, and and you're exactly right about the feeling that we had on stage. I was the you know 13 year old boy listening to Kiss on my headphones, learning how to play drums along with that, you know, when I was standing there. And actually, I made it a point while I was playing, like as we were preparing for this, to mentally tell myself, listen, when you're in that moment, stop for a second and realize where you're at and that this is exactly what you had dreamt about when you were in the garage, like with Siren, you know, or in the warehouse or playing drums in the backyard in my first band. And I did. As I sat there playing, just was mentally like, you're here. You yeah. are you are living this. What yeah. you are seeing, you are seeing people singing back to you lyrics that you wrote in high school social studies class. It's happening. You know, my moment was uh, when we came off stage, I walked right past uh, the lead singer for Grim Reaper. Steve, mm-hmm. Steve Grimmett. Yeah. And he's like, nice set, man. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, man. <laughs> I can imagine myself 15 listening to yeah, See You in Hell, you, you know, and just friends. thinking how yeah. amazing it was. But that was my moment. Really yeah. cool guys. We shared a dressing room with yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. They were super cool. What was what was one of the things? Yeah, yeah. You, what was for you that stands out, Doug? Were you like like Todd just said? What was your moment of the night? Moment of that night? I don't know. I guess it's like you said in the, in that picture in that shot. It's like even before that when everybody was singing over the rainbow, and I looked down there at the end of the song, mm-hmm. and they're all going no place, no yeah, place. No and I know place. I know what goes into that in the movie, but I mean that's exactly what I was seeing. I was just going down the line, looking at people's mouths open, yeah. saying no place, no place. I was like. No way! Right, <laughs> and they're the really—they're really doing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they were just so cool. Almost all of them. I was the new guy, but they knew who I was, mm-hmm. you know. And it was just everybody there was just amazing. There wasn't a, a f- I didn't see a fight. I didn't see no. anything. It's incredible! Just, it was wonderful. You know, and, and like you said too, it's—it's it's, you guys were tight. You, you really could tell that you took it seriously. You didn't phone it in. But but I also just love the fact too that like. There is fans there that feel the same way that you guys do. We yeah. talk about Frank Headbanger. There's a couple of the guys. There's people that we don't even see anywhere else except for in the crowd at the end. They're, they've been waiting to see Siren. And that's yes. what I just love about, about rock and roll. You know, and at, Paul McCartney said this at a concert years ago. He said, I'm just going to take a second and just, I used to have this saying in WWE, drink it in, man. <laughs> that came from Paul McCartney. He said, I'm just going to stand here for a second and drink it in. Exactly. This is Paul at 75 after playing for 50 years, 60 years. Still wants to take a second to enjoy the crowd, and you always have to do that because it's easy. I'm glad you guys said that you had those memories because it's easy to do this show and be so intent and so right. worried about it. So, and that you forget about the actual show. Right, and you're just like, what that? What happened? Yeah. I feel like I was, you know, in a daze. But yeah. that's why I was like, you're living in the moment. Yes, there. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, talking more about kind of leading up to the show. It seems like you guys had a couple days beforehand to kind of acclimate yourselves and kind of see some yeah. of the areas of Germany because you've been to Germany before. You came yeah. with Fozzie right. before. Yeah. Um, had you guys ever been to Europe? No, I'd never been into Europe at all. I'd, I'd been a few times. Yeah. I went over there to record the first right. album and the right. second album, and then I played in a German band for like six or seven years called Mekong Delta. So oh, I'd wow. actually went them. over to record their songs and tour with them. So gotcha. So you've been I'd, a bunch. 
I was amazed how many people remembered me from that that came through the autograph line before we put. We were almost late to our yeah. stage call because people just kept coming through that's the line. That's right. That's something that's it, there's a little little bit of it in the finished film, but we our autograph we had an autograph you know session beforehand where people come through. It was packed. It was like we did the full hour and there was still people. And that's something again, like talking about living in the moment, signing autographs. I mean, I'm a you know fifty something year old software engineer signing autographs in <laughs> in Germany is like. Who does that happen to? Yeah. yeah. And I know the other guys felt that way. And that's, like I said, I keep saying it again, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't. And that's why this is such a great, great movie. I'm I'm selling it because I produced it. But still, it's like dreams never die. You know, it reminds me a lot of of, of Dr. Luther in AEW. He's the same Mm, age as you and got his first national wrestling contract after 30 years on the job just didn't work out and finally gets it and deserved it and is killing it because of it. But most people would give up. Right. And would say, "Oh, come on, whatever." Yeah, There's no it, way it doesn't happen. I mean, the the, yeah. the analogy I use is like, "Okay, you were a high school baseball player, and you know it was great, and it was a, it was the glory days of your life playing in the high school team, you know." But you get out, you don't make it, you know. You're not don't get even get to the minor leagues or anything. It just life goes on. You become an accountant. You got kids, and then all of a sudden the Yankees call you up, you know, out of the blue and say, "Hey, we need you to pitch an inning mm. in you know this game in Yankee Stadium. You know, can you come do that?" It's like. It doesn't happen, and that's and, the same. And thing. everybody in the uh, everybody in the stands wants to see you do right. it. That's the right because they, they they watched your high school baseball game from nineteen nine, you know, eighty three. Like what? Right. Yeah, because that's the thing. Somebody's got to care. You mm. know, if somebody yeah. doesn't really are not interested in what you're doing. It, I don't care how great you are; it just doesn't matter. Especially in that, say, Rich Ward has a great point in the movie where he talks about just how we, we, actually we both do how intense. Uh, heavy metal fans, especially German oh, heavy yeah. metal fans, are. Oh. This is not a joke. No. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I even mentioned it. I, I talk about what they wear, and they, we see exactly. It's the leather with the with the jean jacket, cut off sleeves, yeah. with the patches, and the leather pants, and the boots, and the heavy fucking metal, and the, and the not just long hair. Like like we have long. These right. guys have hair like crystal, <laughs> like Crystal Gale long yeah, hair yeah, that's yeah. past their ass, and that's just how it is. Yeah. You know, and if they don't think that this is real. You're not going to get that respect, right. but they they were waiting for him. These are yeah. 18, 25-year-old kids as well. Yeah, all the, yeah, from young to old and in his life for them. This isn't a fad. It's not a it's not a fashion. And it's yeah. genuine. It's genuine. Yeah, it's a yeah. lifestyle and they and they love it, but as Doug mentioned in the to, in the in the in the documentary, absolutely like stepping in a time machine. Yeah. Because because yeah. like a time machine, yeah. <laughs> and everybody says that too. Yeah. Because it was it was legitimately like being transported to 1984. Well, you had a great line too, Doug. You said it's not just I love the 80s; it's <laughs> I love this little section of the 80s. Oh yeah, absolutely yeah. right. And that's what kind of you know those because we played those type of festivals, and we've had you know uh, very lukewarm reactions at times. We're like, ah, who the f- are these guys? We don't care. But that was not the case for you guys. And like I said. Like this is not Richmond. This is not Alice Cooper up there, or you know, the darkness is, is coming to town, or what? This is freaking Raven, and it's Flotsam and Jetsam, right. and Flotsam and Jetsam is on top, and the place is sold out. Yeah. And they love Flotsam and Jetsam because they've got thirty-five years of experience. And Jason Newstead came from there, and you better be heavy metal, or we're not even going to give you the time of day. Yeah, yeah, you know? and that—that's exactly how it was. Did you guys like when you got there? Were fans picking you up? Was that the festival that arranged all of that? That was actually going back to the linchpin in this story, Frank Headbanger, because we were going over for just for this show. So we had arranged for him. He invited us to come over several days early. 
so we could do some sightseeing, enjoy the country. So we were picked up by uh, Frank's wife, Claudia, at the airport and, you know, shuttled back and went out and hung out. And they just gave us the tour, you know, went to see some a great little town called, I think, Bad Vimfen. Uh, took us on a walking tour with a guide, you know, to see yeah, all these historical. Great. They were really nice. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. Great Greg, food. Greg climbs the castle wall and yeah. almost jumps out the window. <laughs> no, <he took> that. <laughs> and then Heidelberg went to, or Heidelberry, as yeah. Greg calls it. <laughs> um, and here's a, here's something that happened. I, I'm, I'm, it's it's captured in the film. I'm glad it was captured because I couldn't believe it. There are two times of things that happened in this movie, which you can see happen as they happen. One, when Doug and I were walking down a street in Brandon together. That's in, unbelievable. In front of the band's old house. That's right. guy drives up in a truck and says, <laughs> you guys in Siren? We're like, <laughs> like it's 1904. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that looks like such a plant. Oh, it does. Yeah. It's, like, it like, it I, when you, what Ed's saying is they're at their old band house, right. which anybody that was in a band back in the day, a band house, a.k.a. a garden <laughs> shed that you could barely fit your shit in. And we'd be basically yeah. standing side by side. And if it was summertime you're dying and if it's winter time you're dying and there's no so they're outside of, of their shed right. and they're standing there talking and a pickup truck in freaking val rico or yeah, the hell you guys yeah. were and some dude is like are you guys from siren because i think yeah. Ed's one of the siren shirt, shirt yeah. or something and it's like yeah and he was a fan from back in the day and that was totally a thousand totally, percent totally legit that's legit. crazy but here's the other thing that happened it was also legit which was crazy we're in heidelberry and <laughs> we're, we're walking through the uh, tourist, you know, in this in this square and some tourist little stands and picking up some some uh, souvenirs. And we hear somebody speaking, you know, fluent English. And we're like, oh, hey, you know, and, and she came up to us, said, you guys from America? And, and said, yeah, we are. We're you know, a band. We're here to do a show. And she said, that's really cool. Where are you from? He said, Florida. Oh, we're from Florida, too. Where are you from? Valrico. It's like, <laughs> what? It turns out these people live literally a mile That's insane. from from where we are. And again, there were so many little points along the way of this whole story. Some small town in Germany from some small town in, in, yeah, in, in Florida. We meet in, you know, at the same yeah. place. And the same thing happens. As you see, there have been so many points along the way in, in what happened to us along this movie, which thankfully Nathan caught for the for the documentary, where... Stuff happened that was just incredible from the emails coming to me to us getting back together to getting the show. We had one of the, orig the original bass player at Hauser was going to be playing with us and we had practiced with him for yeah. several months. And then he ended up uh, having to step aside yeah, because of uh, his physical. Yeah, yeah. His back from years of service in the military. And coincidentally, literally. From I hadn't spoken to him in twelve years because I'd called. You left him a message fourteen him a message. years ago yeah, to, to Greg. Yeah, to yeah, Greg. <laughs> yeah, to call me and say, "Hey, call me." Literally, it had been twelve or fourteen years, and he calls me out of the blue a month before Ed Hauser had to step aside and said, "Hey, man, how you doing?" And I'm like, "Who? Who is this?" He goes, "Hey, it's Greg. I know it's been a minute." I'm like, "What, <laughs> dude?" I go, "You're not going to believe what where I'm at right now, what I'm doing, because you and Hal were working on songs, right. Todd, and uh, at the at your school, and." Uh, I said, this is what's going on. We have the chance to play this festival. And Greg was like, oh, man, that's so awesome. I'm so happy for you guys. And then it was, you know, uh, I think two months later, a month later, I, we had, I went over to Greg's house and say, listen, yeah. you know, By the way, Ed's not going to yeah. be able to make it. You know, is there any chance you can do this? And those kind of things. You know, and it's funny, too, because like he Crazy. says, and you believe this, he was just excited that Siren was he back. Was. He was legitimately Not even happy. like no – the, the agenda to try and be in the no, band or whatever and suddenly he's in and it, it's like i said too like there's going to be things that happen but thankfully nothing really bad happened but there was enough of those moments like like i said something is going to go wrong 
great segue. Right. Here's what mm-hmm. happened with Ed Hauser. Yep. Later on, something else happens, and now Doug can't find his passport, <laughs> which is another great, like, how in the hell? Come on, man. Uh, I use that line to this day. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. You said ma- that when I came to Jericho Fest. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah. Dude, I sat with you guys was for hours before yeah. you even knew who I was because I edited this thing and, and like, and, and we were so into it. Like, it's like writing a book. Yeah. Should this be and or but? And you sit there for an hour and, but, okay, it's yeah. but. That's got to be end. And that's what editing a movie is like. And and, and I'm not with Nathan to sit there. There's still, when I watched it back just yesterday, it's a great piece of film. There's still a couple little things that I would fix. But that the, that scene with the it doesn't make any sense. Kind of explain explain what kind of happened oh. on that. How and many you, people were there in that moment? Oh, Eight, the whole, nine yeah, people. The whole band, we passed uh, that jacket around to everybody, and everybody went through oh, it. And we all it was did, not yeah. in so there. You can, and this yeah. band is oh, jam packed. Your, your oh. guitar is on the top. And you're like, <laughs> I thought for sure, like you said, when they slammed that door, oh, his stock headstock's yeah, gonna break or something. Correct. So you guys are jammed oh, in this jammed. van, and yeah. before you're gonna go, you can't find your passport. Yeah, I'm like everyone yeah. had their passports. And I'm not gonna go home. Yet, I'm yet, gonna be stuck here. Doesn't make any sense. It didn't. How long did it take for you to find your passport? It was 15, good, 20 minutes at least. Yeah, because we it's were, a it's a long un- sequence. Yeah, a good half hour, yeah, maybe longer. Unpack yeah. the van, look in bags, look under yeah. the van. My favorite is Doug. Freak, I was freaking out. Doug is when you're like, you start, you go into conspiracy mode. You're like, <laughs> you're like maybe somebody walked by and and, somebody, and picked it up. We're like, Doug, there's nobody here. But that's when Ed just looks right in the camera. He's like, give me a break. <laughs> and Frank's like, maybe someone goes to the toilet. Did you go to the toilet? <laughs> so the moral of the story yeah. is this. Passport is in your leather jacket, which you guys checked fifteen times. In the it, it's inside the lining, somehow from the pocket to the sleeve, the it, 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 it ended up, <laughs> ended up sliding out somehow when yeah. I put it back on. That's the later old, on. That's the old school leather jacket. You said it looks great on the outside. Inside's always the shits. You put something in your pocket. I mean, the lighter all the time. Yeah, the lighter ends up down here. Right? Yeah, you can never that's get out. Exactly again. what it was. <laughs> Who ended up finding it? I did. Yeah, yeah. I think somehow it, it from everybody handling it, it slipped down into the sleeve, and there was another hole in the lining, I guess, where your hand is, and. When I went to put it on, it like ended up coming out my hand. I was like, "No way!" <laughs> yeah. Everybody looked at and this jacket. My favorite house, like yep, nothing up my sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> Just a passport. It's funny because our drummer Frank, uh, that happens to him at least once a tour. He'll lose his passport, and it's same reaction. You know, like, dude, come on. Right. Every time, I don't know where I live. It's like it's in his bunk or it's in right. his drum bag or whatever. So, like I said, just give me your passport. Right. I am going to hold this passport for the next three weeks. Yep. You don't. You're not allowed to touch it anymore. So there. But I knew I had it. Right. I knew I, it, it, I saw it. I physically, yeah. I, it's got to be here. <laughs> Unless just... someone just drove by and took it. <laughs> <laughs> we ended the movie at the right spot for the way that the story was told. What happened after the, you know, you guys get the picture for Todd's Graham, mm-hmm. which is great. Tell us about afterwards. Was was there uh, an after party? Was there just getting the hell out of there? Did you get a chance to talk to the fans after? Did you get a chance? We to had a fight and broke up immediately. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was um, yeah. What we did, we we actually we played. It's a two day festival, so we played on the first day. You know, uh, as they're in the early evening, and so we got to spend the next day of the festival just completely enjoying the festival yeah, was which was great. Um, taking photos oh. hanging out with people drinking beer it was yeah. great people that saw you the day yeah. before oh, absolutely and yeah, actually yeah. the the night before the festival started there was like a oh. pre-party yeah, yeah. That's it was going movie. on right right about when we drove in then that oh. one guy is yelling about siren, siren. Yeah. that was when we were first pulling yeah. in in the van Stephen Bernard. you didn't know that guy at all 
No, not he was all, just no. there. He's helping you with merch, and yep. he's, there was one point where I was like, "Dude, we got to edit this guy." He's just saying, "Siren is the best." I feel like a child at Christmas, and it's like <laughs> Nathan. It's five minutes. We get it. He loves <laughs> Siren. Edit him out. <laughs> but, no, but it was great because that passion, and you see it. Even yeah. what was left in the movie. That's his name is is Stefan Bernard. Great guy. And he was one of those guys like Frank, who but we had never met, yeah. who was a fan from back in the day, was so excited that we got to be there. To, yeah. that he totally could, sincere. Yeah, He's totally a real sincere. guy. Oh, yeah. 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 And we left, tr trust me, we, yeah. we, we, we captured him perfectly. He, and that's what I love. And like I said, when you said the next day, Todd, that you get to go to the festival and have some beers, and be like, that's part of the, the, the fringe benefits of being in a rock and roll band. Mm -hmm. You guys deserve to have... Not, that's an ego Experience, boost, but it's, sure. a, it's a camaraderie. Like, yeah. you guys, we're all the same. We're just people that love music. And it doesn't matter who you talk to, whether it's us right here talking, whether you talk to Lars. I spoke to him the other night about watching YouTube till 4 in the morning. He's like, I'm right there with you. We're all just fans. So when you get other people that appreciate what you did, yeah, that means a lot. That yeah. means more than, than you know, extra 100 Deutschmarks or whatever. Oh, it really does. You know, playing music is great. I've done it all my life. But like I said earlier, if nobody really cares, or, you know, does it really matter? That's right. right. So it really is important. Yeah. And one thing that was, and I know it's, it's in the capture of the movie too, is that surprised us completely. Because there were, like I said, we were mid-card, you know, on one of the, the two days. And there was some big, like, cements and flotsam. Who was on the other day? Do you recall? Uh, I think the, a band reunited. Raven, he right? Heavy Load. Yeah, heavy Load. Heavy Load from Sweden had Demon come back together. Was one yeah, of the Demon. headlines. Demon. There, was, there were several. Uh, you but know, these bands mean a lot. Like, yeah. like these I said, are band the, 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 bands, like, like, for me, the, the ones that I saw on your day, at Flotsam, I've got five of their records. Yeah, and Raven was one of my favorite yeah. bands when I was a teenager. And, of course, Grim Reaper. In Germany, these bands still pull and draw and make money. But the difference is they're there every summer. Right. Yep, you guys, exactly. first time in 30 years, so continue. So, yeah. So, anyway, we had we had our merchandise there, you know, we, which was, you know, a shirt and, and a, you know, and our uh, we part of this experience was, too, was that when it was announced that we were going to play, we were reached, contacted by a couple of independent labels that say, hey, we want to release an anthology. And that blew my mind, too. Like, yeah. what? Yeah, <laughs> an anthology of and your music. And they say it's some little chintzy thing. It's no. like a three-disc thing. There's three posters. Three vinyl and... set with a replica of our initial single. That's Underground Power Records. We put that out. Patches really and stickers well. and yeah. shirts and toques and condoms and yeah. ice cream bars. And... <laughs> yeah, it's a quick coffin. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it was so we it was that was incredible to have that these sets which sold out. That's what we found out. The for the people, the labels who were there, you know, who produced these Stormspell and Underground Power, our CDs, the double CD sold out, the triple album sold out, and then our merchandise basically sold out. And we found out when we settled up at the end of the festival that we had the highest grossing sales of any of the bands. That's I mean, amazing. that's yeah, it was it was thousands. That's amazing. It is. It was like why? why? I'm sure that you know, was us. the majority of, of your payoff was that was oh, the yeah. merch. That that was our payoff. Our yeah. payoff. We didn't get paid to go to the festival. Oh, okay. We got our transportation and lodging was covered. Wow. So they covered, that's yes, rare. which is big. A lot of times big. they'll just pay you, you know, 5,000 Deutschmarks all in, and you guys got to get your own. You realize, by the way, that the Euro has, Euro has been in, in place now for God. several. <laughs> I went to Hamburg in 93 and I never forgot. But yeah. We're talking about 80s heavy metal. It's a fucking Deutschmark. So, yeah. So, but, but the yeah. point is, usually they'll pay you euros and then you got to you gotta Work go it out. search for flights. Right. Yeah. No, they, they took care of everything. Even we had to switch at the last minute, you know, with Greg and Ed wow. to, to That's do that. That's classy. So, yeah. so, the, so the merch money was your, was was your payoff. Money. Yeah, exactly. And we were just blown away. I mean, our you know our as Todd is modeling you know today, our our shirts are basically the black, 
a black shirt with a white siren logo. We're not talking high, you know, high end because we have to buy. Here, we have guys. to pay for them. Yeah, yeah, we have to buy the merch. There's a great another great a guy on the movie who's like, uh, I had to lose ten kilos to fit in oh, this shirt. An ogre, yeah. and it's still black. An ogre, yeah. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. <laughs> that's the point. It's black. It fits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ogre guy. It's a great guy. And um, so yeah, that as you mentioned at the end. So that was one of the highlights at the end for us of the whole festival experience was finding out that, wow, this is, they actually, not only did they care that we're there, they showed it, you know, with, with their, with their support. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and then pretty much, you know, after that, it was quiet. I know we went back and hung out with some people, you know, and Greg, so we left the night that night, we had to get to the airport very early. The shuttle was going to pick us up at like four, I think 4 a.m. And I was sharing a room with Greg and the good funny side story yeah. in the movie about that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's like, dude, I'm going to go out and have a cigarette. This was around <laughs> two. And I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to hang out. We decided not to and sleep. And we never saw him ever yeah. again. <laughs> and, and literally, he just, just he, he comes back like 10 minutes before we're supposed to catch this shuttle. And I didn't find out until the movie when he was doing the follow-up interview that apparently – you know, at two in the morning, he had found a cat wandering around this little town and decided to follow the cat through the town. Oh, I'm like, dude, what are you, you're in a foreign country. We're leaving in an hour and a half. Exactly. You know, on a, uh, you're still a foreigner with long hair. Yeah. Yeah. You but know, apparently you're in Germany. He had this moment with this cat and, and the cat gave him a good tour of. of he said he's going to go back and find that cat someday. That's what he says. He does love his cats. Yeah. So, um. All of a sudden done, very mm-hmm. successful. We can see that in the movie. Obviously, show. we edited it that way, but it because it was there to be edited. That was that it. Had, we can't get it crowd chance. It was pretty real. Yeah. 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 And, and we really focused in on that. And and the best part is it's, you, there's there's two parts. There's one that says, you know, you were the highest merch of the day. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the very end siren is currently working on a new record. Yep. Now, 2020 could be a, com- a complete wash due to, you know, no live gigs because right. of COVID, et cetera. Was there, is there plans to do more shows uh, is there is is there a lot of interest? As Todd said, do more people care now? Uh, yeah, yeah. We actually were supposed to play a show this past summer in Germany. Another the Headbangers Open Air, but COVID. So right. you know that was. Have that you was... heard about that COVID? <laughs> heard about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few things here and there. And, so is that one of those things where they just yeah. moved it to 2021, or is it just a, strike it out and try? From and... what we've understand, they're moved to 2021. We haven't gotten any kind of confirmation, gotcha. you know, on that yet. But uh, but yeah, as as it did say in the album, we had so much fun, the experience. Because remember, we had to work for six months ahead of this time to work up the the music and get everything back together. We had so much time, fun time making the music together. We're like, after we did the show, like, listen, let's do an album. Let's do that full album. So we did. We spent 2019 recording uh, a new album, Back from the Dead, and uh, it, we released it ourselves in April. Of, of 2020 and it's uh been incredibly well received hmm. uh, and it's still so it's it's basically still new we haven't really started promotion of it just because of everything that's going on played played some of those tunes on uh yes. on rock of jericho and sirius yeah. xm that's right yeah thank you and it was yes, we're thank you we're very you know very happy and happy with the kind of plug the website just to tell where people can go to absolutely find out. okay yeah if you want to find out more you can reach us at uh just www.sirenband.com Dot US. Do you really have to say www anymore? You don't. No, I don't think so. I do because that's what I do. So you're, you're getting on me for that saying Deutschmarks. You're giving me <laughs> www. Go out to the internet <laughs> at www. Period. Can you connect to AOL? <laughs> Put in your CD. Hey, I want AOL. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
Um, then we'll plug that afterwards yeah. as well too. But but those, uh, just as we start to wind down here, uh, I did show that movie to a couple of my friends mm. over the last little while. Now that it's actually out, so two of the guys that have seen it and have commented. One was Mike Portnoy, uh, who wow. watched it months ago. Dude, yeah, and tell us about that reaction. Yeah, that was crazy because he he reached out to me on Facebook because he saw I was wearing a Dream Theater hat in mm -hmm. one of the, one of the shots. I was wearing a Dream Theater hat. And he reached out and said, you know, hey, just want to let you know, I watched the movie. I thought it was great. You know, you know, love that you're supporting. It's like, dude, you're amazing. I'm like, it's crazy. And that you met Mike before at Dreams Theater show. Yeah, through you, yeah. you know, yeah, as, as a guest, but briefly. And it, but so it's crazy. That's the kind of thing where it, it just blows my mind that people who I consider musical mm -hmm. heroes are seeing some aspect of my story and my band story. It's like, why would Mike? Portnoy ever, you know, right. know, you know, it just shows you how powerful a movie like this can be. Yeah. When we played at Jericho Fest, Eric Martin, who is one of right. my favorite singers of all time, he came up to me and goes, Oh, Mr. Tornado of Blood. I didn't know you <laughs> freaked me out, man. That is just the most amazing feeling. Yeah. Well, and I just sent the movie to, to Charlie Benanti from Anthrax. And just the thing that's cool to me is these guys actually take the time to watch it. Yeah, that's very you cool. You know, and if Charlie said, I liked it, I felt Ed the drummer was the heart of the movie. Uh, was that it? Of for course. Them? Of course. <laughs> was that it for them to play the festival? I said, no, they're doing more. He said, made me think of so many bands from that time that either got shitty deals or the members split, but this one ended up on a good note. Yeah. That sums it up. The yeah. guy who's been in the, you know, he was sending fanzines at that point in time. Exactly. So is that cool for you guys? You know, like, okay, the Anthrax has seen it, you know, it's important amazing. dream theaters watched amazing. it. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know like, there was a moment when I found out like Wolf Hoffman of Accept and Andy Sneap, who is the guitarist in Judas Priest right now, watched it together. Wow. And I'm like, all right, the two of the biggest bands who are influences back in the day right. just watched the movie, our movie about Siren together. <laughs> you know, Wolf loved it and Andy hated it. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Does he get good response? Oh, yeah. Them? They both loved it. They, you know, because Wolf, some... you know, Wolf had seen it and then he liked it so much he wanted to show Andy yeah. when they were recording the new Accept album. Well, once again, much like my favorite documentaries, there is so much more than just about the the situation and the subject that it's about. Like King of Kong, we've watched a great right. movie about video games. Doesn't matter if you like video games or not. American movie, great video about about the dream of making a film. Because it's, it's relatable. It's relatable, you know. And I've I've seen a lot of those types of movies, and I feel that that Siren, you know, I'm sure if this shit fits right in there. Like we said, you can watch this no matter what your vocation is and whether you. It's not like we're showing a 90-minute siren concert. There's no, bits of the music all. to show what you guys sound like, but that's almost secondary to the story of this dream that 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 did come true and is still coming true. Yeah, very much so. It's about it's definitely about the story. It's not and it's it's not a movie about siren. The siren's not in the title, you know, it's mm. it is le legitimately about what it says that some dreams never die. Even when you don't know you had the dream, even when you set that dream aside so long ago that you forgot about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it sneak, you know, sneaks up on you. Right. So, and that's exactly. And it makes it. you want more. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> it makes yeah. you want to do more. Yeah. It's fun, and we realize that you know we're we're all very you know, realistic about what the music business is like now, and the fact that we're in our fifties and everything's changed. But just having the opportunity to do this once, you know, I've got you know, like you said, that triple vinyl album in a big shadow box framed on my wall. It's like, who has that? Mm -hmm. You know. Well, who has a documentary made about it? Oh, exactly. No, it's really <laughs> and get to live that experience yeah. and have a caption. Thank you, by the way. I know I've told Absolutely. you before. Yep. Yeah. But thank you for you know, having the insight and the belief that it would be a worthwhile story to tell. Because we just had to live it. So. Well, and it was, and here's the thing too. Like I said, like now that it's up on iTunes, to me that that's 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 like such a huge reward. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I got 
a mix of one of the new Fozzie songs, and the very next email was the the word that Siren was now up on iTunes, which was a little bit of a surprise to us. But it was a great one-two punch of emails. And now that that it exists in the world, because you we can make this great documentary, and if nobody can watch it, who gives a shit, right? right? But now it's up for people to see, and and, and we're going to continue to do the most we can with it. But to me, obviously, I'd love to win an Academy Award. <laughs> but if a hundred people see it, if a thousand people see it, it's something that 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 it, it's it's a it's a document, literally, to this really great story of how dreams can and do come true, no matter how old you are. It's like the best home movie we could ever imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and people have told me, you know, just friends and family that even though you know they know me or they know several of us that it actually it made them cry mm. you know it, it just reached them something resonated yeah. it so much emotionally in them from the story that uh it's just you know i think it's a good movie yeah just, my wife my wife cried she's not a heavy funny. metal and right. obviously she knows you but doug what are your thoughts after you watch the movie was it nerve-wracking to see it for the first time and kind of like, how, how's it going to be? Yeah, it was kind of weird, you know? I mean, I had no idea what to expect, but I, w I was amazed. It turned, mm -hmm. I thought I think it turned out great. But what's the line that Hal says in the movie? He says, this, there's no way this is going to happen. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. Oh, this is going to happen. Yeah. It's definitely going <laughs> to happen. Deep down yeah. in my mind, I thought, I think it's going to happen. They're going to ask me to join. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys have a big viewing party together when you showed yeah. it to the guys? Were yeah, you nervous too, Ed? Yeah, to show I, it to the guys. Well, I was nervous the the first time I saw it too, just to be like, okay, you know, what do I look like? Yeah, you know, how do I sound? Yeah. How does this story? Does it look like a good story? Right. And it was. So yeah, when we brought everybody together and watched it, we actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was cool. Absolutely. I think we all kind of felt the same, the same sensation yeah. of being disappointed. Kind of relieved initially yeah. that it's good, and then you can start enjoying it. Right, and know? enjoying it from almost a third person perspective. Yeah, right. it's like right. we trying see, to see it not as ourselves, right. but right. somebody else that never saw it. They didn't live it would see it so it's kind of being like an outside your body experience mm -hmm. a little bit but definitely it was, it was definitely cool and i love the guy who played me he's great. <laughs> he's much better looking but, uh, <laughs> not as good of a guitar player though <laughs> actually his guitar playing on screen was terrible <laughs> <laughs> it's funny too uh uh before i ask the last question uh seeing you on there ed because you have lost a lot of yeah. weight and when you see ed it's like wow i forget you forget like oh my gosh you have lost a lot of weight yeah that's that's one of the positives of 2020 i decided to just you know get my health in shape since i, I didn't really have any other health problems other than my weight but yeah i've lost 90 pounds so looking at myself wow. in that movie when i look at myself it's like oh my god what's that bowling ball on my neck you know <laughs> Last question: What's your favorite scene from the documentary? If you had to pick one, and I'll I'll, I'll choose. Yeah, okay. For me, there's a twofold. I love Hal and and Todd at the airport discussing what is Instagram <laughs> and, and what is Snapchat and, and this filter. Stay away from that. And I have no idea. That's a great comedic moment. And then that end shot of of the guys' mm. hands in the air with the crowd behind them with the look of amazement. We did and it. Wonder, yeah. We did it. You yeah. know. Doug, what's your favorite moment? That that's one of mine too. Where we're standing there with our backs to the crowd and the and the shot at the end of the show. But I mean, uh, wow, I don't I don't know. There's there's a lot of great moments. Not mm -hmm. just that. I know the one where uh, I lost my passport. That's not my favorite. <laughs> You know, but, um, I just finally pieced, is it really? Oh, I, love it. I just pieced the other iron coffins being on submarines. There's a part where you start quoting Yellow Submarine. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? There's a man who sailed the seas in a submarine. I'm like. What? <laughs> That's why I left it in there. Like, I don't know what tangent he's on, but he's on his own trip. I love it. But now I understand. <laughs> Todd? Well, it would probably be for me as a musician, just when we're playing on stage, mm -hmm. that great audience that was totally into it, 
you know, I got to play a rock star for a day, and I had a lot of fun. That's a crazy part over yeah. the mountain, too. You have to play that the whole time. Yeah, to tap it on. took me about six months. My forearms, forearms like are huge eyes. now. Yeah, it's not just a little bit of an eruption. Non-stop. It's the whole five just yeah. the fact that you caught that part about the yellow submarine, yeah, that, yeah. that makes it worthwhile. Dude, <laughs> like I, said, I spent so much time with this movie. Yeah. I know everything like the back of my hand. I could probably tell you shot by shot what it is in my head. I think for me, I mean, obviously the comedic side was was, was great. Um, but Cleaning I, the kitty litter? So, yeah, I know. I'm immortalized now as scooping a cat you're box. You're the kitty litter guy. My, dog, my dog's pooping in the front yard. It's like, Nathan, what's, what's the theme you're going for here? My animals shit all over the place? Um, but I think for me, my one of the favorite parts because I it it gets the emotion in me. I can feel it again. Is when I was talking to that fan you mentioned, Stefan, and he was talking about how much it meant to him, and and I could because I was there and I could feel his emotion, and that made me it choked me up, you know, oh, yeah. being there, and it that it's kind of captured in the film. And I I think on a similar level, the part that I really just gets me is Greg when he was in the field yeah. alone, and it. And he starts he, to well up, doesn't he? He starts to well up because it. This is something he. It's a gift he had never expected, and I think right. that's the way we all feel. Yeah, this sure. is like a present that we never thought we would get, but we got to open it, and it was just the best present ever. Mm-hmm. And you and can't now, make that stuff up. Yeah, he just no. keeps on giving. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and now everybody can see it. The world can see exactly. it. And hopefully, when we get back to doing shows, uh, you guys will be playing, yeah. and we'll have to That'd do. A, we we did a viewing of the of the documentary, the Jericho Cruise, maybe. For the fourth one, you guys have to play it. Oh, yeah. that'd be amazing. There that would go. be insane. Yeah, I don't to, know if I can afford to, you guys. But. <laughs> You'll have you talk to our agent. You might know him. <laughs> it's Mark you? Willis. Oh. <laughs> no, no, I, I got to see if he'll take us on. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>